Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Karshia. And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the women's professional sport. These are our unsolicited football opinions. You didn't ask for them, but we're going to give them. And who knows? Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree. But that's the beauty of the game and what's kept us friends for so long. This episode, we'll be discussing Group C in the group stage of the Women's World Cup. Move your feet. This is Megged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Megged. Abby, how are you? I'm great. First week postseason. We had to practice last week, so that was interesting. Um, but I'm traveling in France this week, so excited to see some friends. What about you, Sid? I just got back from California. I was at a lovely wedding, a very gay wedding is what it has been dubbed. Um, it was really great to see a lot of people from Australia. So it was some of my teammates from Australia got married in San Diego lovely it was just so nice to see them especially this is something you and I have talked about Abby when you play international football you meet all these people and you make all these friends in all these different places and then you go back to the states so I now have friends that live literally all the way across the world and so to be able to see them when I obviously knew I was going to this wedding but that's one of the saddest parts about leaving like you don't know when you're going to see people again And so I'm literally crying in the airport when they drop me off. And then here I am a month later, I just saw them get married. So really excited for them about that. But it just kind of sucks about our job, that aspect. I agree with you. It's rough. Like all of your friends just disappear after being with them in such a intense environment. So yeah, but they're bonds for life. So we'll take that. A hundred percent. So we have a bit of news coming out of women's football just in terms of people. And so we want to touch on that. Raffaele is leaving Arsenal, going to the Orlando Pride. So that is something to keep in mind. Obviously, having big name internationals in the domestic league here is a big deal and kind of just elevates the game. So it's always interesting when people want to come into the NWSL because I think it's very different than like the WSL. Little tears are forming in my eyes because I think she's been a mainstay in Arsenal's back line for the last 18 months. I mean, she was injured a little bit, but yeah, it's going to be a huge miss for the Gunners, but a huge gain for Orlando Pride. I mean, she's the Brazilian captain right now, and I'm excited to see what she does in the NWSL side. I think she brings in that Brazilian flair and the footwork that I think sometimes the NWSL lacks. So yeah, I'm really excited for this move, even though she's leaving my team. And then other news, and this is really important considering we're doing Group C today, Mappy Leon has been quoted saying, as of right now, I will not be at the World Cup. This is something we've talked about with Spain, with those players. What are your thoughts here, Abby? Because we've obviously spoken about how instrumental she has been in the past. I'm pissed. Are you freaking kidding me? Again, now we have a bunch. Sorry, I'm angry about this. But like, you have so many players out of the tournament for uncontrollable injuries or perhaps they are controllable, but we haven't gone into the science enough to understand that. But you're having so many of these players missing the tournament for injuries. But now you have an amazing player who would be a great ambassador for the women's game, missing a world tournament simply because a man's ego is too large 
for him to be a head coach of Spain. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of politics in that decision, and we're sad to hear about that news. And I wonder how the girls in the Spain camp feel about that as well. So we're going to dive into Group C, starting with Spain, and personnel is definitely going to be a topic of conversation with this team. Okay, so we're jumping right into it with Spain. So Spain's ranked number seven in the FIFA ranking. We've talked about them a little bit. Let's start with the elephant in the room, Abby, those 15 players. Yeah, I mean, you heard it when I was talking about Mappy Leon in the beginning of this podcast. I am pissed. I am frustrated with Spain. I think if Spain was full force, if they had all of their eligible players on the pitch for this World Cup, they would be in my top three. And that's just not the case. I agree with that. I feel like if they had full squad, they would be a top contender. There's no doubt about it. I do feel like in the past couple of matches that I've seen, specifically thinking of the Cup of Nations, I thought they played pretty well for a team that didn't contain a very core group of individuals. Obviously, since then, Alexia Puteas has returned. So that will bring a bit more leadership. Obviously, when you have someone who's been considered one of the best coming back into your squad, you can't deny the impact that that will have. But I wonder how much... Because there will be conversation about this in the media. So I wonder how much that will affect the people who are in the squad when it gets picked. Yeah, and we spoke about this before. You also have a team unity issue because some of these players were gung-ho about protesting and then the other ones didn't. And they honestly took advantage um, of the missing players. And so, yeah, I'm questioning the team unity on this one. And there are still question marks. Like, we know Matthew Leone's not going to be in the squad, but... Will Bon Matty be in the squad? Will Onabate be in the squad? Like, these are big-time players that could only help the squad. But like you said, Sid, in the past couple matches, without these players, they've been doing just fine. But the question is, can they be doing better? Yeah, and I felt like that in their Australia match in the Cup of Nations. So that's the only loss that they have so far in 2023. And they only lost 3-2. But I felt like they actually should have won that game. I felt like they dominated. They had a bunch of opportunities. Australia didn't really start playing well until the second half. And to me, I feel like that's where leadership really comes into play. When you're playing against a team like that, where in the first 45, Australia wasn't really playing well, Spain needed to put them away early. And I feel like when you have younger players or players who don't necessarily have that leadership backing them because sometimes it's just a voice or sometimes it's just knowing the person next to you believes in you. I feel like that makes a big difference. So, I mean, technically, tactically, I think no matter who Spain puts out, it's going to be a good side. They constantly, the people that go through that, that group, that federation are superb players that there's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of how do they do on this stage to me? Yeah, I mean, they can put out a good squad all they want, but they need to bring home a trophy. Spain hasn't won a major tournament, and they need to bring home a trophy. And I think they need all of their players and all of their resources to do that. But we will see. I'm not the coach. I can't make those decisions. But, yeah, you mentioned Alexia Pateas. Super exciting that she's coming back from her ACL injury. I think she's going to make a difference. How big that difference is going to be, we'll have to wait and see. I think 
her leadership is going to be essential for them, like you're saying, Sid, but how informed she will be and how much of an impact she can have is a question mark for me. Yeah, I do want to say, just following up on the one thing you said, in 2015 in the World Cup, they didn't make it past the group stage. And then in 2019, they were out in the round of 16. So I think you're spot on. Like They need to do well in this tournament. It's time. And I feel like we've talked a lot about some of these big name teams, highly ranked teams who, when it comes to tournaments, aren't actually getting the results. And as much as we've crapped on the U.S. national team, that is something that they've consistently been able to do. And I feel like for a lot of these teams, that's the next step. And Spain is one of them. So for me, in order for them to get out of this group, in order for them to succeed in this World Cup, they need to focus. I mean, it's like focus, but not focus on everything off the pitch. They have to get that sorted out. The team camaraderie, the leadership, the squad being unified, all of that stuff. I think is what's going to be what either separates them from having a good or a bad tournament. It's not the soccer piece at all for them. Yeah, I agree with you. And then it's not the soccer piece, but if they don't have the soccer piece, they have no chance either. Um, the thing about Spain is like every tournament, it's almost as if they're like missing one piece of the puzzle. So back in 2015, I think they were a team that possessed the ball, but couldn't score goals. And then in 2019, I think they were a team that could possess the ball. They could score goals, but they couldn't keep the ball out of their own net. And so third time's a charm. I'm hoping that they lock down the back of the pitch and maintain that goal scoring ability and possession ability. Um, I think they have Paredes, who's a seasoned center back back there. I'm hoping she completes that, that puzzle for them this time around. They're definitely a top contender, which creates some balance in this group. Because one of their opponents is Costa Rica. And so Costa Rica is currently ranked 36. And they did not qualify for the previous World Cup. This is only their second World Cup. So we've talked a little bit about experience just naturally talking about these teams, Abby. But what are your thoughts here? Because technically they're not a newbie, right? Like we didn't cover them on New Kids on the Block. They've technically been here before. But 2019 is a full cycle ago. Like what are your thoughts then on a team that has been here before but like have you really like what are your thoughts there yeah I don't really chalk anything up to it regarding their like one world cup that they were in because it's been broken up by an off cycle I think probably a lot has changed in eight years and I mean eight years you think about that geez some players careers aren't even eight years long so I think they have fresh faces in there and yeah I'm looking at it as a completely new team and yeah, I'm tucking it in with the the newbies group. Yeah, it was kind of weird to hear you say it like that eight years. Like when you say it like that, geez. Yeah, so Costa Rica is one of these wild card teams, but who are some notable players that we should have our eyes on in this tournament? Yeah, for me, I have two. And a lot of this also comes down to leadership because I feel like when you have inexperienced leadership carries the rest of that. And it goes a really long way. So Rocky Rodriguez is a big one for me. She plays with the Thorns currently. And I feel like every time I've watched her play on an international stage, she is a star. And the other player for me is Daniela Cruz, a very solid defender who currently plays in Liga MX Femil in Mexico, where actually a lot of players on um, their previous rosters earlier in their year play. And they're getting a good amount of time that's obviously a very competitive league. 
my question for you abs is that season is ending that league is ending obviously the wsl is ending what difference does that make going into the world cup coming off of a season as opposed to the players that play in the nwsl where you're in the middle of a season and stop to go to the world cup yeah it's a super good question i think this is all about management uh player management because like you said some of these players are coming off of a 10 month season and going into a world cup. Like I know some of the girls on my team are going home for max 10 days and then they're going straight into camp. That's not a lot of time to decompress mentally and also physically. And so there is a difference, but you also have to think these players are done with their seasons and that allows them to kind of make space in their heads and, and emotionally for the world cup to come. Whereas NWSL league, these girls are kind of still in their teams. They're probably still going to be involved in some way, looking at games, score lines and things like that. Whereas these other players have complete sole focus on the task at hand, which is the world cup. So there are pros to cons to each, each league, but I don't know. The biggest thing for me is that these girls are playing in competitive leagues and they're played in. Yeah, and I think that's important too. And as a as a federation, as a team, they have really good experience playing in CONCACAF and playing in CONCACAF tournaments. So it's not like they don't have experience in a tournament-like environment as a squad. So that, I think, will carry them a little bit. But they don't have the best record coming into the tournament. They haven't won yet in 2023. So I definitely think that they are going to need that mental piece that you were just talking about. So if they have a bit of a mental advantage over some other teams or over um, maybe some other players that they're going to face in this group, I think that that's really, you know, take what you can get. I think that that can be really beneficial. But for me, just looking at their previous games, I think in order to get out of this group, they can't get shut out. I think they have to find a way to consistently put the ball in the back of the net. And I think that that's easier said than done, but I think if they can find a way to score specifically against Zambia and then try to pinch goals against Spain and Japan, I think that that will set them up for their best chance to get out of this group. If I was Costa Rica's coaching staff, I would spend hours on set pieces, literally. I think you're playing teams like Spain and Japan who are going to keep the ball the majority of the game and so I would find a way to get as many set pieces as you possibly can and then practice them to a T so you can finish them and, and score goals off of them. That's what I would do for Costa Rica. Abs, such a good coaching perspective. I love that response. And so that brings us to Zambia, the third team in this group. They're ranked the highest at 77, and they were part of the New Kids on the Block episode that we covered. That being said, they did play in the 2020 Olympics. So they have that experience regardless of the results from that. But I actually do think the results are kind of important. So they did drop to the Netherlands 10-3, which is obviously a very big deficit. But they tied China 4-4. China's ranked 13th, and we'll cover them next group. And they only lost to Brazil 1-0. So I know those results are pretty gnarly, but I actually think that it shows potential. The fact that you were able to only let up one goal against Brazil shows me that you can hunger down. The fact that you were able to tie China in a 4-4 game. I mean, and, and this is all just based off on paper because I did not actually I didn't watch these games. But the fact that you're able to get a 4-4 draw against China is a like for like. You're able to go toe-to-toe with somebody. And the fact that you can score three three goals against the Netherlands 
even if you're down that much shows me resilience and it shows goal scoring ability. And that goal scorer is Barbara Banda abs. What are your thoughts with the controversy there? Yeah. First I'll start with saying seven goals in three games. That ain't too shabby. They know how to score, score goals, but that comes down to one woman. The one that you just mentioned said she has been in the spotlight the last two years. And it's, because of her testosterone levels, completely natural. All the tests say that her testosterone is formed naturally and she has been banned from playing certain matches because her levels are higher than what they're supposed to be, I guess. Yeah. So the African Federation has higher standards than FIFA, apparently, about testosterone levels and bandas were too high. And so she wasn't able to play in their African Cup of Nations, but clearly she is a mainstay for this team in terms of generating goals, generating attack, generating success for them. And so what we've been able to find is that she is eligible to play in the World Cup. So, Abby, what are the implications here for the sport in general? Because obviously this is a controversial topic when I actually don't think it should be. And then what are the implications for the team? Yeah, so this is a super interesting topic. And honestly, we could do an entire podcast just talking about this. And I don't want to take a reductionist approach, but for the sake of brevity, I almost look at the situation in the same way as some other sports. So in basketball, some players are born and they grow up to be taller than other players. Some would look at that and say, wow, that's an unfair advantage that this player can dunk because they're 6'4", and they continue on. You also look at swimming. You have Michael Phelps, who was born with a bigger lung capacity than other swimmers and therefore has an anatomical advantage. But he was born that way, and no one really talks about that or questions that. And then when you have hormonal levels like testosterone, this woman's testosterone levels are naturally higher than others. She was born that way. Why is it not the same conversation as basketball or swimming? And so this moves into the discussion of transgender athletes, which, like I said, hopefully we'll cover on another podcast. But yeah, it's a bit frustrating that testosterone levels are looked at as different than height or lung capacity. Yeah, this is a topic that Abby and I are very passionate about. We spent a lot of time discussing it before it kind of became a hot topic in the media. Honestly, I feel like we were discussing it years ago at Brown. Um, And so we are kind of very steadfast on our beliefs in it. But I'm very happy to hear that on FIFA's side, she's been cleared to play. Um, So I do think that that is good news. I think for the team, it could be one of two things. Personally, I would think it's going to create and foster a very happy environment to not have your best player, a leader for the past couple of games, finally be cleared to play. I think that that just creates a good environment. The con to that though, naturally, and we've talked about this, whenever somebody comes back into an environment, we literally just said it with Puteas, whenever someone comes back into an environment where they've kind of had to adjust without you, sometimes it can be hard for a team to readjust to this player or for the player to readjust to the team. So yeah, if I'm being honest, like I don't think they're actually going to get out of this group, but I do think they have the potential to do really good things and disrupt certain things. Um, So for me, that's kind of what I would say. 
you've spoken on this, Abby, and saying it depends what a team's expectations are or what their goals are. So not sure what their goals are for this tournament. But for me, if I'm thinking, you know, how to make the most out of this experience, I would think it's to try to get any kind of results you can during every game and have fun. Yes, Sid. To go back quickly, we are very steadfast on transgender rights. Um, It's a really important topic to talk about, and we will dedicate a podcast to that in the future. Um, But yeah, getting back to the football, Zambia is a wild card. (laughs) And like you said, I don't know how Banda coming back into the fold will affect them. I think it will be positive. I think she is the biggest source of goals for them. And I think without her, we might see them be blanked quite a few times. So like you said, pinch points, but the only way to do that is to score goals. I don't think their defense is their strong suit. So they're going to be an interesting one for me, especially in this group. This group seems, like you said at the beginning, like anything could go. Yeah, and so then rounding out this group is Japan. Japan is ranked 11th, and they obviously have a very great legacy when it comes to the World Cup. They were the first Asian team to win in 2011, silver in 2015. Um, I think in their most recent tournament, which was the She Believes Cup, record-wise, I don't think they did really well. And they did recently drop a friendly to Denmark. So that's not the best to me. But I think when it comes to this tournament specifically, they show up. Yeah, I mean, Japan has this legend behind them, I would say, in the World Cup. Like, they're formidable contenders. I think they've gone through the last two cycles of like phasing out the old players, phasing in the new players. I think they had some growing pains in the last few tournaments with that, but I'm ready to see Japan back on the front foot in this tournament. I think they have really exciting players. I think they have finally a good mesh between old players, experienced players, I should say, and the younger group. Sid, how do you think their history comes into play for this World Cup? Yeah, I think you make a good point about you know, that cycle that we've talked about with some teams and phasing out old, bringing in new. 2019, they lost in the round of 16 to the Netherlands. Obviously, the Netherlands went on to play in the final. So, I mean, there there is that bittersweet feeling. You get knocked out, but at least you got knocked out to who came in second. However, I feel like that's creating some sort of redemption for them because obviously they did really well in 2011, really well in 2015, and didn't do really well in 2019. Now that you've sorted out the squad, and have a bit more cohesiveness, I feel like the fact that they're a tournament team and have the experience, they know what it takes playing in the World Cup, playing in the Olympics, playing in the Asian Cup. They know what it takes as a federation, as a team. It's just a matter of finding the results for them. So who do you think, Abby, is going to be crucial in them finding those results? Yeah, I'm really excited about some individuals on Japan. You have Saki Kumagai, who is their captain. She's a seasoned vet. She put the PK away to win the 2011 Women's World Cup. She's been around the block and she just came off of a championship in the Bundesliga. But she was playing center back, which isn't normally her position. She usually rounds out the sixth position. So I'm curious where she's going to play on the pitch for this one. But yeah, I think having her leadership on the field is is going to be one to watch. And then you have Endo, who NWSL followers will know and love. She plays for Angel City, and she is insane to watch. Her footwork is great, and she finds the back of the net in the most spectacular ways. So I'm really excited to see her on the World Cup stage. But you also have players like Iwabuchi and Hasegawa who spend their time in the WSL, great on the ball, and they control the midfield. So I'm excited about these individuals. But the question is, 
can they put it all together on the world stage? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting squad, like you said, Abs. My question is, so Australia and Japan both play in the Asian Federation, and there's a big rivalry on both the men and the women's side. How do you think this is going to affect Japan? How does it affect the fans? How does it affect team motivation? Because you're playing in Australia. Like, do you think that that's going to have any impact? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping a lot of fans from Japan make the trek over. I'm curious, because they're not in their group, I don't know how much it'll affect Japan. But as the tournament goes on, perhaps it could bleed in. I think there's always something to be said about rivalries. But do they do they only exist in the club world or do you see them on the international stage as well? Yeah, for sure. I feel like Sweden and U.S. had a rivalry going for ages. Like, I definitely feel like rivalries bleed into the international stage. And I feel like this one could be a really good motivator for Japan in that mindset of getting out of the group stage to prove themselves in the knockout round in their rivalries home country. So for me, in order for them to get out, they have to move past previous results, previous tournaments, previous losses coming into 2023, like let it go and dominate this group so that they find their groove for the knockouts so that they don't get knocked out round of 16 early on, find their rhythm. So when they get out of this group, they're in a good groove. Yeah. For me, it's all about confidence. They need to regain that dominance that they had in the 2011 and even 2015 world cup. And they also need to take care of business against Costa Rica and Zambia. You go into those games knowing that you have to take all three points. If you do that, you get out of your group. So then let me ask you, final answer, which two teams are coming out of this group? Spain and Japan for me. I would love to see an upset, especially in this group, but I really do think Spain and Japan are going to come to play and they're getting out. Yeah, for me, this is a no-brainer. I think it's Spain and Japan. But like you said, this group has the potential for some chaos. Like pinch points, I feel like, is just hovering over this group in, in possibility. So we'll see. But for me, those two need to make it out and should make it out. And so we're going to round out our talk about Group C going into Hot Takes Jersey Edition. Okay, Abs. So for me, I feel like this is a kind of a tough one. So based off of what we found, Zambia's kit hasn't been released yet. So we're only looking at the other three and all three of them are sponsored by Adidas. So they're very similar in that way. Like it's not a Nike versus Adidas kind of controversy thing. I think I'm going to go with Spain. I love that new kit, that flowery kit. I kind of really do like Japan's as well, but I just feel like the texture that Spain's brings for the same reason why I feel like I liked Australia's in the last episode. I just really love the texture of Spain's. Yeah. I mean, Spain's kits are pretty fire. I love it. It's, it doesn't scream Spain, but it screams cool. Like I would buy that Jersey and just wear it around, even if I didn't support Spain. And I love that about that kit. But yeah, Japan just takes cakes for me because their home and away kits are fly. Like you got a cotton candy for the away, but the home kits are super cool. It's almost as if they have some origami patterns in there. And I really, I really appreciate that. So you're going with the team that has the full package. You're talking both home and away kit. You're going to give it to Japan. 
Yeah, even so, even without home and away, like I would take Japan's home kits, I think. So I'm going with Spain. I was going with Japan. I think process of elimination, we're going to say Costa Rica has the worst kit in this group. Yeah, what the frick, Adidas? Like, you sponsor all these teams, but you only give two teams good kits. Like, Costa Rica's home kits are just like a plain shirt. I don't understand. I do think there is something to be said about simplicity. Like, it's not a terrible kit. It's just that when you're comparing it to art on the other two kits, it's very starkly plain. Yeah, but is it simplicity or is it laziness? I mean, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt and say simplicity. Let's hope so for their sake. But who knows? If they play outrageously well, maybe I'll have my team in that kit next time. Yeah, you never know. They might like their kits and look good, feel good, play good. No games to watch for this week, but you can go on YouTube and watch these teams and their highlights gearing up for the World Cup. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at meggedpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at meggedpodcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megged.